the, the first question I have to ask is, what was the inspiration for your famous song? Ah, oh, you know, Fiji inspired Fire Lady. Wouldn't be here without her, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But Fiji was special. She was, she really was. Well, I think they're saying you're special. This is, this is an effort to get this, you know? These, these people love you. Welcome to Strange Highways. I am Paul. And hey guys, it's Terry here. And um, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed our discussion about the Who of You. And I, I hope you've not made any direct eye contact with anybody since that episode, because you never know. You might just jump in bodies and things might get weird, you know? So um uh but speaking of weird, we have we have this is gonna be this is gonna be a fun episode to talk about. I cannot wait to get into this one. Yeah, it's it, this is an interesting one. Um I I, I think it's uh definitely worth this uh pretty lengthy discussion i think yeah so let's just get right into it uh it's season two episode four um uh, ovation again i it's season two of the jordan peele produced ep- stuff if you guys don't know that by now i'm sorry spoiler there's a new twilight zone out there and we're watching it so i'm hoping that you guys are like be like i, I don't see the this isn't an original series like what are they talking about like so spoiler it's new stuff um, yeah, uh, episode four ovation written by Emily Chang and Sarah Amini, who we just talked about. They were the writing duo for the first episode of the season, meet in the middle. So we talked about them previously, um, based upon our feelings about that episode, we were looking forward to their next output. So this will be fun to talk about this one as well. Um, directed by Anna Lily Amanpour, um, which she directed an episode last season, uh, called a traveler, which was a really fun episode. Um, I, uh, I don't, I've not seen, um, the other things she's been associated with. Uh, there's the movie, a girl walks home alone at night. Terry, have you seen that film? I have not. I I've heard good things about it though. Yeah. Like it's supposed to be a really good vampire film. Uh, and then also she directed uh, one episode of season one of Hulu's castle rock, which I did see. And it's the episode called uh, past perfect, which was the best episode of that season before it immediately crashed against the rocks and then fell apart. 
Yeah, I was. Uh, I I got to like the last episode or something like that. Maybe like the second from last, and I just I gave up on it. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, the, the episode she directed was the one that we dealt with Sissy Spacex character, like finding out that she's kind of like like she's unmoored in time and how she's kind of seeing things like fading in and out. It's a really powerful episode. Like it's emotionally powerful for her character. It's about midway through the season. Um, and that's when we still had hope for Castle Rock. But then um, I I watched the first season. I've not watched the second season. Maybe it got better. Whenever I found out it was people that were associated with American Horror Story, I kind of like held my breath. And then I was like, well, but maybe. And then after watching the season, I'm like, oh, like I just I felt I felt there was too many fingerprints from American Horror Story in this for my liking in regards to being a Stephen King anthology esque show. Yeah, I, I I can't make the the best comparison because I only watched the first season of American Horror Story. Not my cup of tea, but I can definitely see the types of parallels that you're alluding to. Well, um, yeah. Was, Sorry, go ahead. I was looking for something. I guess I was looking for something a little bit different when I watched Castle Rock, but you know, to each their own. Well, it just this is not this this episode that we're talking about, but there was there like uh, this is the Twilight Zone, but. There was the bit in the early in the season where the main, one of the main characters finds those kids wearing like the paper mache animal masks having a trial. And I'm like, where where is this coming from? And then later in the season, it's like, oh, there's this weird couple that are like murdering people in their house. And it's like, well, that could have been a thing that was introduced earlier in the season. Like, it's just all these little weird twists that it's like they don't serve the story in any capacity, but they want to put you like they want to shock you. That's when I admit that felt like a very American horror story to me. Yeah, yeah, I can see that definitely. But I mean, I did like that episode that uh, that uh, she directed. Um, yeah, that, that, it, yeah, it was a really, it was a wonderful episode. Like it was good, good character beats. So I'll, I'll, I'll give her that. Like, I'm not give her as in like she should do better. Like, no, she took, she took content and and, and made it really, really good and re- resounding. And like I said, I've seen a traveler from last season. It was like the the third episode or something. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Steven Yoon's in it um, and uh, Greg Kinnear. And it gets weird in a lot of fun ways. So good to see her back. Yeah, the only other thing that I had her uh, associated with at this point, um, she's going to apparently be directing the new Cliffhanger remake that's coming out shortly. Well, I say shortly because it's in pre-production, but. Who knows if we'll actually see it, but she's, she's tied to direct that. I think that's exciting. I saw that. And I, I put a note on that too. It's like, why not? You know, like that movie wasn't that great to begin with. Like take another crack at it, do something different. Um, you know, yeah. I thought the same thing when I, when I said that, I said the exact same thing when I saw that she was going to be uh, connected to that. I was like, well, the movie wasn't that great. So maybe it could be cool. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I, I know this maybe isn't the right place for this, but um, I, I, there needs to be more female directors, you know, doing projects. And this is uh, a cliffhanger was a very much like, you know, uh, like a very like, you know, heterosexual action movie of Stallone. Like, but yeah, bring somebody else in. I, let's see what you're going to do with this. I'm excited. So um, it, it can't be any, um, it, I'm not saying cliffhanger is a bad movie. It's just not a good movie. So unless this thing completely falls apart, I don't, you know, the bar set low and she's going to, I, I'm excited for what will happen next, but let's, let's just see what happens. Um, once we get more information about that movie. Yeah. She seems to be building some steam. So, I mean, cause you know, the castle rock connection, which is, that was a highly, uh, 
you know, anticipated. And then you know, obviously Twilight Zone and then Cliffhanger, which I feel like is that's a pretty big uh, thing to put in your portfolio if that if that lands. So, yeah, I'm kind of interested to see where we see Anna later in her career. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's that, let's see here. So that's what I got for uh, written by and uh, directed by. Um, well, I'll let you do cast. Um, and again, this is going to get a little weird, guys, because, um, you know, <laughs> It's it's current stuff, and IMDb doesn't shake out very well. So bear with us. If there's someone we didn't cover and that you think is important, please let us know. Uh, but yeah, Terry, please. Who who was in this episode? Well, uh, real quick, apparently this story was actually written by a guy named David Well. Um, I, I, at least that's what it says here for IMDb, that he wrote the story. The teleplay was by the other two women. Okay. Uh, um, but yeah, the only thing i had seen him connected to was some uh series that was called uh hunters he did 10 episodes of that he wrote those up other than that i didn't have anything else for david well but yeah so moving into our cast um uh journey uh smollett 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 yeah um she plays jasmine delinci um uh, she's did 14 episodes of full house uh she was in the movie jack uh, uh, with, um, geez, why can't I remember his name right now? Robin oh, uh, Robin Williams. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, 19 episodes of true blood, which I would have known her from. And then she was in that new birds of prey movie. Yeah. That's like, whenever I saw that after watching this, I'm like, that's right. That she plays black canary in that movie. And she's awesome in it. Like she kicks ass and, uh, clearly, um, she's, she's a singer. She's a nightclub singer there. Uh, so I, I don't think it would be weird to me to have her cast in two roles in which she is a performer, meaning that like she's singing her own, like she's singing, like you have to believe that. Like, I mean, I, I guess somebody could be like, no, 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 they could Millie Vanilli the shit out of this, but it'd be weird to be picked to play two particular roles in which you're known as a performer. Uh, but she's great as Black Canary and Birds of Prey is a really fun movie. Um, I also want to point out that uh, she is in that it's not released yet, but there's that show called Lovecraft Country that's being produced by monkey's paw. So there's another, um, Jordan Peele connection. Yeah. I, I, I'm glad to see that she's had, has built a career for her after, um, her child, uh, acting days, because it seems like she had quite a bit of uh, child acting, uh, jobs when she was really young, especially the full house connection there. And then, uh, moving on, we have Tawny Newsom. Uh, her, she plays her, uh, sister, uh, Jasmine's sister, Zara, uh, 10 episodes of Space Force, uh, 10 episodes of Star Trek Lower Decks, which she does a voice in that. Apparently that's coming out soon. Uh, it's an animated, um, Star Trek show. Yeah. And that's also going to be on CBS All Access. So again, I can see probably some synergy there. And then that's all I had for uh, Tawny. So I, there's another show she was part of. It's a mockumentary. Um, I forget what channel it was on. It was one of the lesser channels called a bajillion dollar properties. It was like a fake real estate show. Um, the, the reason I'll mention that is because of another cast member in a second. Okay. So yes, I'm moving on. We have uh, sky Ferreria. Uh, I'm terrible at these names. <laughs> I, I think it's Ferreria. Uh, I think you're right. There's too many R's in there. Yeah. So, um, she plays Fiji. Um, she was in the green inferno and a uh, baby driver. And then a uh, fun note, she's actually a, a, a professional singer. Um, and she did songs in like everything that she's appeared in. So she did a song in green inferno and she did a song in uh, 
uh, baby driver as well. So have you seen green Inferno? Cause I've not seen the green Inferno. That's, um, Oh, what's his face? Um, Eli Roth, right? Yes. I, I have not seen it. Um, I, it's kind of like one of those things that I heard so many bad things about <laughs> like, criticism. I'm like, all right, maybe I'll just put that on the back burner for yeah, a while. Fair enough. Um, yeah, she, she was, uh, the, the character baby, his mother, in the movie baby driver for like you mentioned, but like, so she wasn't it long, but you know, an important, an important plot point. So that's cool. Uh, I, I love the film baby driver. I know some people kind of tell me it's a little meh because of the main character, but I, I love that film a great deal. So anytime I get a chance to talk about that film, I will. Uh, she was also in the Lords of chaos, which I know is that that kind of like that came out last year. That's kind of the, the, the movie slash documentary, but whatever of that, one of those Swedish death metal bands, I think. Uh, yeah, I've, that, I've heard a little bit of buzz about it, but I haven't really looked into it. I think it's on uh shutter right now, so I might check it out soon. Okay. Cool. But yeah, no. yeah. Uh, other than that, I didn't really know her from much of anything else. Uh, an episode of, uh, Bates motel. So I loved her. <laughs> in that. <laughs> Um, yeah, I have nothing else for her. Okay. So then, um, moving on, we have Dan Martin, uh, plays, uh, Mr. Delinsky. Um, I keep, I probably, I'm just messing that name up. Sorry guys. Um, so he's honestly the one I know the best from his entire cast, but plays the smallest role in this and cast. We see him for like probably 10 seconds, but anyways, like two scenes, he, he has like one speaking part and then you see him in a crowd. Unfortunately, that's it for him. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, he's been in so much stuff. So casualties of war, sleepwalkers, um, 106 episodes of Rin Tin Tin canine cop. <laughs> he was in, he was in the stand leprechaun in the hood, 164 episodes of the bold and the beautiful, which I do not know, but <laughs> the other stuff I, I know. Don't let fool you. He knows like 107 episodes of the bold and beautiful, not 164. So he's being modest. I know, but, um, <laughs> um, he's being quiet. So he's, he's upset that I've revealed this to everybody. I understand. Uh, I also have listed here that, uh, uh, Dan Martin was in heat. So yeah, this guy's been all over the place. Yeah. He, he's still acting. I mean, he's still got like, quite a bit of a career going like he's no schlub that they just pulled off of the, the couch. Um, but yeah, it was kind of sad to see that he had such a bit role in this. I yeah. Mean, this sleepwalkers sleepwalkers though, man, I, whew, uh, you know, I should like a movie more when someone gets stabbed in the back with a corn cob, but you know, not, not that good of a movie. Um, I haven't revisited it in probably 20 years. So maybe, maybe it's a little more fun than I remember it being. I just remember being really not happy with it when I watched it. Yeah. That's definitely up there with the, the lawnmower man is like one, <laughs> one of the forgettable, uh, Stephen King adaptations. So, yeah. So and then, uh, next we have John, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, Thomas Lennon, uh, plays JJ Maloy. Uh, he was in memento. We are the Millers, uh, 38 episodes of the odd couple. This was the one that came out, uh, just recently in the last what, 10 years or whatever. Yeah. It was on CBS uh -huh. with him and Matthew Perry. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, three episodes of here, we, you're going to love this critters, a new binge. Um, so we have a critters connection. That, that is, <laughs> that is a legitimate critters connection. You're right. But so, okay. I think, um, I, so it sounds like you're not as familiar with Tom, Tom Lennon as I am. Uh, he, I will forever know him as Lieutenant Jim Dangle from Reno 911. 
Like he is on that show. I love Rio 911. Uh, he's actually a cast member of the state. Do you remember the state on, MP- on MTV years and years ago or no? No, I, that was when I wasn't watching MTV anymore because they weren't playing music videos. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, the state split off into basically two troops. One was called a group called Stella and the other one um, did Rio 911. Um, but like the state, a lot of those people went on to do What Hot American Summer, which we've talked about previously. Tom Lennon wasn't in that, but a lot of those guys are. Um, he's, he's does recording, recording voice in Bob's burgers. Um, he, um, actually him and, um, the other gentleman, I can't remember his name right now. Who's on Reader 911, Ben Grant, Ben Garrett, Garnet, Ben Garnet, I think is his name. Um, he's also part of the state, but they're the two of them wrote all three of the night, the museum films. So like Tom Lennon, it's just, he, he is, um, He's well positioned and those Night at the Museum movies just make money and he's written other like screenplays as well. He was actually a producer of um, that show on Comedy Central for a few years called At Midnight. I don't know if you saw any clips from that. Um, that that was a good showcase for a lot of comedians. Um, and he was actually a producer of Bajillion Dollar Properties. So I just, that's why I wanted to bring that up. I, I love Tom Lennon. Like he just every time he shows up, I just smile. Yeah, I did. I, I wish I knew more about him because he is a very popular actor, especially when you look at his IMDb. Um, he's he's very fun um, from what I did know him in. But I do have to dive into more of his uh, his IMDb, like his catalog and that, because all I really remember him from that I've seen um, was he was in two episodes of How I Met Your Mother. <laughs> and that's. Like the only real exposure I've had for him, but he was fun in those episodes. So you should check out Rio Nine One One. A lot of the episodes are now up on um on YouTube via Comedy Central. I don't know how you feel about like that kind of like more improv improvisational comedy, but I love Rio Nine One One and I love Dangle as a character. Um, he he's a he, he's really funny, but uh, he like you mentioned, he was a memento. I forgot about that. He was one of the flashback doctors, like really young, fresh face there. He's also in the Dark Knight Returns. He's the doctor talking to Batman being like, you have no cartilage left in your body. Like he's just basically being like, you don't have any, you don't have any flexibility anymore. What did you do? And then Batman's like, well, sorry, Christian Bale, whatever. He's like, Ugh, I guess I was doing a lot of extreme sports. And then he just chugged him out and do and crushed it. I think that's what happened in that scene. But I love Tom Lennon. Um, he He's also been in like one of the Transformers movies because, you know, paychecks. Um, but yeah, I, when he was in this, I, I, I wish we'd have gotten a little bit more of him, but we got, we got a, a lot enough that I was happy that Tom Lennon was in this episode. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll do my homework, but, um, next we have, uh, Paul Tompkins. Uh, he plays, uh, Jimmy O'Malley, um, Anchorman, Tenacious D, like a lot of the iterations of it, like mm-hmm. the movie and he was in the show and that. And in 75 episodes, he does a voice in a BoJack Horseman. Yeah, he's Mr. Peanut Butter. He's a golden retriever that is a an actor. Because the, the whole thing of BoJack Horseman is like there's like these human animal type hype. Like it's just it's a thing. Like there's humans and then there's animals that are like kind of humans. He was a popular sitcom like star in like the 90s, but but he also has like these um aspects of a golden retriever. Like there's a bit where he definitely gets sprayed by a skunk in one episode. And then as he's like soaking in like tomato, tomato juice, he's like, I, I have to shake. And it's like, don't do it. He's like, I have to shake. <laughs> he ends up just 
obliterating a room he's in because he's like, I have to do it. You know, I I love Paul S. Tompkins as well. Um, you mentioned Tenacious D. Have you seen The Pick of Destiny, the film? No, I have not. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, he he plays a character there that um, there, there is a there's a weird parallel between his character. This episode of Twilight Zone and The Pick of Destiny. I guess I'll save. I guess I'll ruin The Pick of Destiny for you when we get to the end of this episode. Yeah, and I, I see here that he also uh, worked on that properties. Oh, I didn't I didn't know that. I didn't know he was part of Bajillion Dollar Properties. Um, he's also the voice now of the current revival of DuckTales. He does Gladstone Gander. If you remember, he's the one that's always lucky. Nice. Uh, God, I wish I, I knew more about DuckTales right now because I used to love it as a kid. Yeah, <laughs> but he was like the one, he's like the one distant cousin of the of the guys that he always says lucky four leaf clover, right? And nothing, and everything would be turning up. He's always lucky. So yeah. So that's what I got for nice. him. Yeah. Uh, that's all I had for him as well. So there we go. And uh, I didn't have any more cast members. I wasn't really uh, thinking that anybody else was all that standout-ish. <laughs> Fair enough. I have a couple more here, so let me just burn through them. I have Eliza Villani as Jennifer Gupta, which I believe she's the beginning talking to Fiji about the, the magazine article. Uh, the reason I want to mention her is because keeping the streak alive with this new Twilight Zone, and I know Terry's excited for this. She's in a film called It's Beginning to Look a Lot Like Christmas. So that's one. Um, that's all I had for her. But we had to have a made-for-TV Christmas movie connection here. Um, let's see here. Uh, Chris Webb as Lenny, who I believe was the driver of the vehicle um, that we find out later, you know, listening to the music. I just want to mention this guy has, like, uh, tons and tons of stunt work. So he doesn't do he does a lot in front of the camera, but not, like, identify his characters. And then... Um, the last one I want to mention is Bruce Houston as body, uh, on the operation table. We'll leave that when we get there. Uh, he was in the makeup department, um, for two episodes of the current series of, um, last season for, uh, a traveler. So it ties into the director and six degrees of freedom. And he actually worked on the physical effects for trick or treat. That is awesome. I did not notice that. Um, like he was a makeup guy. That's he does really a lot. Cool. Does a lot of makeup stuff. Does a lot of practical effects. So I think his bit in this episode is kind of a kind of a wink and a, like a thank you for his work because he gets he gets one of my favorite scenes. I think I've seen at a Twilight Zone ever. I'll just say that. And it's interesting that he has a prosthetic or whatever it is that's on him that looks pretty <laughs> gnarly. So yeah. <laughs> So yeah, that's our cast. Um, so yeah, let's uh, let's um, let Mr. Peel take it away, and then we'll go from there. Jasmine Delancey has spent her entire life in search of one thing: applause. Now that she's found it, it's given her a new sense of meaning. But what exactly is the value of an ovation so loud it drowns out the performance? Jasmine's about to find out here in the Twilight Zone. And before we talk about uh, the narrator's outfit, which I want to mention when we get there, uh, Terry, kick us off. What's how, how do we get into this episode? Okay, so the, the scene opens up with um, this model shooting. We're not quite sure what's going on quite yet, who this blonde is. Um, and, you know, there's a photos being taken. Um, the guy, the photographer is like telling her to do all these different poses and that. And we slowly are panning out and 
you know, this is kind of a long scene here, but finally the photo shoot ends and we find out this is Fiji and she's a huge um, star right now. She's a big singer and everybody's just like, like laying into these like, um, like uh, uh, emotions of how great she is and how amazing she is and clapping like crazy. And she seems kind of whatever about it. And she goes to her little um, mirror and just kind of doesn't want to talk to anybody. And, um, you know, we find out that she has another single coming out soon and everybody's super excited about it. And she just doesn't care. And she gets up and she tells, um, her manager or whatever that she's going to go, she's going to walk. So she, she leaves the studio and she puts on pretty much a disguise so big glasses, pulls her hair down in front of her face for the most part, big jacket and a, and a hat. So she's trying to be yeah. incognito. I want to point out that whenever the report says to her, it's like, I can't wait what you were what, for what you're going to do next. And she says, it's going to be a really big hit. Like again, second watch through. I love that dialogue. Yeah. No, I guess planting the seeds there. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So she goes over to this, uh, this square area and um, there is like, you know, some people selling jewelry or whatever. And then she, she walks up on Jasmine, who's uh, just playing an acoustic guitar. And she tells her, Oh, you know, I really like the song. She's like, Oh, thanks. And she pulls her glasses off and Jasmine realizes that it's Fiji, this huge star just talking to her out of nowhere. And she's like, Oh, wow. She's like, I really love your stuff. And she's like, Oh, thanks. And she looks down at her guitar case and sees a bunch of just change. Like she's not really making very much money doing this, this little gig in the, the, the park area. And so she's like, well, what do you want? And she's like, well, what do you mean? Um, Fiji says, what do you want to do with all of this? Like, what's your, like, basically what's her aspirations? So uh, Jasmine tells her, well, pretty much what you got. I, I want what you got. And, um, so um, Fiji reach, uh, reaches over to her and hands her this, this, what I can only explain is like a coin or a talisman or something like that. It has a hole in it. It's probably about the size of a silver dollar and gives it to her. And as soon as she gives it to her, um, people start to notice that Fiji is in the park and they start bombarding her, uh, asking for her autograph and taking selfies with her in it. And the crowd becomes overwhelming at this point. So she starts to walk away and she gets to the street area and she looks like she's about to cross the street. But for one second though, she looks back at Jasmine and like gives like the see you later and out of nowhere takes one step into the street and gets hit by a, like an RTA style bus. (laughs) Yeah, she uh, she definitely went out like Brad Pitt and Meet Joe Black, just obliterated, you know, like like I'm talking like Gage and Pet Cemetery, just gone. Yeah, and the part <laughs> of this that's actually the most disturbing is everybody who is taking pictures, videotaping it. It's like this is this is a real look in the mirror right now because this is exactly what would happen. Everybody takes pictures. No one wants to. Uh, rush in and help out somebody they're just like they want to videotape the carnage and then you know do whatever the hell they want to do with it later it's just it's it's actually a pretty powerful scene at this point yeah you're right like people people gasp but they keep their phones out you know and that's 
Um, it's, you know, I don't want to say it's on the nose. It's, it's the thing that we don't want to acknowledge, but it's, it's right in our face. And you, you, you know, that's the shit that would happen now. Like you wouldn't, you would have people that are like, I love your work. And it's like, Oh, she's called mall by a bus. I got to go on, you know, uh, Instagram and, and document this or go on Facebook live and have, re- have a live reaction to get attention. It's, it's disgusting. It is. And it's, it mirrors like so many different times that something like this has happened. Like, um, who's the guy from the fast and furious that got into that car accident? Uh, Paul Um, Walker. Yeah. Paul Walker. You had all of these people releasing photos to any, any, uh, and all outlets that they can find. It's like people are scum. And so, um, yeah, so we have that. And, um, the next scene we see Jasmine, she goes home and, she must have not made enough noise to let her sister and her dad be aware that she's home yet. Cause she can overhear Zara and her father, um, talking about how she goes to the park and she just like, she sits around there like a bum and she's, you know, just making change and it's a pipe dream. And finally she gets to the kitchen area, Jasmine, and she slams something down like, Hey, I'm home. And Zara, of course, is like, oh, um, yeah, didn't know you were there. Uh, do you want some quiche or whatever the hell she's doing? <laughs> <laughs> she's like, I can make you. Uh, and then, you know, she realizes she's, she got got, right? And um, she's trying to save face. You, here's the thing. At first, I didn't realize that it was her sister. I thought it was like her stepmother, like bitching to her like her dad. Like I was like, this is a weird thing going on now, you know, but. Um, their, their relationship, it, it gets, it, it gets more textures. It goes along. Um, what I want to ask you though, is before she ends up going to her, her sister's place, that's when we get the peel intro. There's two things about it that are weird to me. One is it looks like he's green screened in like over to the right. It looks like he's not in the scene, which feels weird to me. Um, but whatever post-production, you gotta do what you gotta do. Um, did you notice his suit? Uh, no, what was, what was up with this? It suit? was like a blue plaid. Like there was a dark, like a plaid, like, like design to it. it wasn't a solid black and he rocks it. Like he looks amazing, but it's like, it's not, it's not the, what you expect now from like Rod Sterling of the twilight zone. And we've seen, we've seen peel so far wear the black suit, but this one was different. Um, and it made me really happy to realize that the narrator has a wardrobe. Yeah, you know what? Uh, now that I'm thinking back on the scene, yeah, I do remember that it was different. Uh, it, it, I'm, I'm just wondering if, like, because I hadn't seen the first season, that he was not changing the, the suit every other episode or whatever. But to I guess the, to from my what recollection, you're saying right now, he did. yeah, to my recollection, he wasn't changing it. But again, maybe, maybe I just didn't notice it. But this is the first time that I saw something different. So maybe I'm wrong, but I'm not against it. I kind of like the idea that the narrator has his like, it's like he is the narrator. He's not Serling. Serling was the narrator. He's the narrator as well. He can have his own sense of style. I, I thought that was kind of cool. Like keep it classy, keep it mad men, you know, but I, I loved it. Yeah. So um, that was cool. And I do agree with you on the, um, the green screening. Like he didn't look, it looked like he was like just dropped onto the scene <laughs> after the fact. I was like, 
maybe they just couldn't get the lighting right or something like that, or he was unavailable that day. But yeah, it kind of looked crappy. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it didn't. It didn't look the best, but he makes up for it at the end. Well, so well, I'll just say that. But uh, I wanted to mention his suit. Um, but yeah, like so. Uh, yeah. Um, so we have we get the we get the established that the established thing that um, that uh, Jasmine is trying to be a performer and trying to make her way her sister that we learn is a doctor and like a, like a surgeon um, is kind of frustrated that her sister's not providing, but also not moving forward. So you get that, that dichotomy that runs through the whole episode. Um, You, you, as we explore the relationship, you, you get to notice that, um, that they love each other, that they care about each other. They don't completely understand each other. So I will give this episode credit. I'll give the screenwriters credit um, to the, the two of them that they made this a complicated relationship, but not one where you hate the sister and not one where you completely hate Jasmine either. Yeah, that's a good point. I, and you know, the, the chemistry between an older sister and a younger sister and one having such an established career and the other being, I don't want to say aloof, but like really trying to change um, change the game and like make something out of her, out of her career. I, it, it is an interesting dynamic to dive into. And I'm glad that we see something like this bec- between two sisters and being so close and how it creates a, a rift between them. And I apologize. I told the story out of order. This is on me. So after that, that's when she goes to Fiji's memorial and starts playing her own song. And that's when people start applauding her. Uh, Cause she has the coin she's wearing it around her neck um, and then within minutes of her playing the song, people react to her. And that's when we get Peel's intro. I apologize. I told this out of order. I've brought much shame to our podcast house. Well, you know, it, I can see why you, you made the mistake because it was the same place setting. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're only talking about a difference in time of like maybe a minute and a half. So thank, thank I, you for I, smoothing it, it over. Smoothing. Thank you for uh, absolving me of my sin. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> I was just so distracted by uh, the uh, Jordan Peele suit that I wanted to talk about it. Um, but yeah, so like um, we we're at that Fiji memorial um, that that's happening uh, in the park area where she was, you know, unfortunately hit by the bus. And yeah, we get that little bit of a song. It, it, this is the part that is like it, it builds foundation for the rest of the episode. She starts to get right into the course. And everybody just starts clapping and drowns her out. And it's like, she hasn't even finished a song. It's like 20 seconds in and and she's like being drowned out by all of these people clapping at her. It's like, okay, whatever. So, um, moments later, um, as she's kind of counting her, her tips there, which is kind of weird. I wouldn't be doing that. Yeah. A lot of money that's coming in from that. Yeah. Yeah. So she's counting this giant stack of cash, uh, and up walks JJ. And um, she doesn't recognize him at first, but he takes off his glasses and lo and behold, he is the host of this really uh, kick-ass voice knockoff show called uh, Ration. So, um, yeah, he, he, he sells her. He's like, I am – I was just going to get – like I was coming through the area and I heard you sing and you are it. You are the next star. You need to be on the show. I like, I just want to point out that like the suit he's wearing, and again, this is me focusing on the fashion. It's not that distant from Jordan Peele's suit, but it's like much louder. Like it's, it's almost the same pattern, but it's a much louder suit. 
And I, I love there's, I don't know if you've noticed this too, over these four episodes I've been watching and they've been very different directors. There's been a lot of different shots that have been like POV behind someone's head and shoulders as they approach things. Um, I don't know if that's a, like a conscious stylistic choice of the show, but I dig it because when you have, um, when you have Tom Lennon as a character, as an actor that's known and he's approaching, you know, Jasmine as, as a character, you don't want to necessarily reveal who the actor is walking up. Um, I, I just, there, there's bits like we just talked about the who of you, um, there's a lot behind people and that we've seen that a few times, even in the first episode. Um, I like that, uh, approach of that. We, we're, we're the observer behind the people coming into the action. Um, I think that also puts us a little at arm's distance because we are automatically behind what's going on. Um, but I love, I love Tom Lynn's entrance here. I love how he's like, Hey, um, I'm, I'm, um, you know, I'm JJ Malloy. And she's like, yeah. <laughs> and he's just like, he's, he's kind of taken aback that she doesn't give a shit about his name. I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. And it seems that from her, uh, I guess kind of lack of interest that she's never seen the show either. Um, I, and I, I would be right there with jazz when I'd be like, I don't watch competition show. So eat me. But, um, but yeah, he, she, she's like, Oh, it's th- that show ovation that my dad watches. He's like, yeah, it's a show. Every dad watches, I think is what he says. Yeah. <laughs> but he tells her, you know, like you are kick ass. We need you on a show. Um, and you know, she goes home and she, um, lets, uh, Zara know about what's going on. She's pretty excited about this. And, um, you know, Zara doesn't seem to give a crap. She's like, okay, you know, you're going to go on this show, whatever, but make sure you come back down to earth at some point, you know, like be as grounded as you possibly can. She seems to be the pessimistic one. And it's probably because of years of, um, Jasmine chasing these dreams and not really ending up where she's promised to be. So I can see the frustration that Zara has been building up to this point and why she's telling Jasmine to like be grounded. Yeah. So you're right. I, I think that's the, that's the best way to approach this where uh, Jasmine's like excited at this, but uh, Zara just views it as like, okay, once you get past this little fantasy, you'll, you'll need to get a job and also stop eating my food. Like, you know, like stop taking my carrots. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You ate all my carrots. What the hell? Um, so, um, later we see, uh, Jasmine is about to go on, on to uh, stage, uh, to perform for this crowd. Uh, there's another gentleman who is up on stage and he's doing an acapella and he doesn't get like any sort of reaction from the crowd at all. And, uh, describe, he's kind describe of describe the meter, describe the visual meter that's behind him. I think that plays into this. It, it's like, um, when you go to the fair and you, uh, take the giant mallet and hit the, hit the, the machine and then it goes up all the way. But this is like in a, a round form. Like it's almost like a, a laugh meter, you know, <laughs> that's a good way to describe it. Yeah. It, yeah. And so it, it's based upon, uh, the show's called ovation. They have a crowd of people, um, depending upon how they're into this or whatever. And this poor guy like this, um, you know, low rent Bruno Mars is not quite making it. And he, uh, gets, um, gets shoot off the stage pretty quickly. Yeah. And, uh, just as a side note, uh, if anybody was watching this show, there should have been a, a better stage <laughs> presence for the show. Like, this the stage production for this was like garbage. So, <laughs> but I understand for the show, 
<laughs> I liked I liked the background. I like the weird swirly bits in the background. I liked the ovation meter. Um, I like that the logo looked kind of like a throwback to like something from like the like a seventies like kind of variety show. But yeah, it's just a single like circle with a microphone and a spotlight. Like good luck. Yeah, it it kind of felt like a Jerry Lewis uh, like televised uh, <laughs> like a telethon. Yeah, like the Memorial Day, whatever the Labor Day telethon. Yeah, I guess. it was like the end of like the end of UHF. You know, like um, all the weirdos come out for to 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 save the station. Yes, yes, p- perfect. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much what we got here. If you can visualize UHF and that um, <laughs> where they're trying to make money to save it, that's what we're looking at. So Zara um, comes up next. And she's already nervous and whatever. So she 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 doesn't know what to do. She's kind of a fish out of water. And she says to JJ, am I supposed to sing? He's like, yeah, that'd probably be a good idea. So Tom Lennon here <laughs> is just like, just like his, his, his reaction of like, just go, just sing. Like, <laughs> yeah. So it, like he sells it real well. Uh, give credit also to uh, uh, the actress playing uh, Jasmine, uh, uh, Journey Smollett, 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 Smollett. Um, she is visibly uncomfortable and she has a guitar. She doesn't know what to do. So she just gets into the song that we've heard previously. Um, and she gets about as far into it. Uh, we don't even know if there's a second verse, of this song, honestly, we never hear the rest of it. I know it's kind of annoying because I was hoping at some point to hear it, even as like, uh, the credits rolled at the end, you didn't hear the entire song. So I don't know if, if this is out there, I want to find it just so I can hear the rest of the damn song. It's a pretty so I can song. Say I heard it's, a, it's a very pretty song from what we hear of it. Yeah. So, yeah. So she gets to that same point um, that she did in the, in the park and just everybody is losing it in the crowd. And the, the meter in the back just kind of goes off the charts. So obviously she's moving on to the next round. So, um, you know, she, She's pretty stoked about it. Um, I like that. I like that JJ's like, I don't even clap on my own show. He's clapping for her, which is a funny moment. But then when you realize what's going on, that like, there's a lot of like people acting like out of compulsion. So it's a funny line from him, but you don't know if it's just him actually being like, yeah, she's amazing or something else driving him, but it's still a funny line. Right. And so the next scene, um, we got Zara and uh, Jasmine uh, running through the the park area, getting their getting their fitness on, and um, you know a couple people notice them and say, "Oh, you you rock!" You know, I, I'm cheering for you. And she's like, "Oh, cool! Uh, I have fans. Awesome!" And then she needs <laughs> she apparently needs a, a break, so she goes and gets a hot dog. <laughs> perfect, f- perfect uh, mid workout. Uh, a meal for you, a hot dog yeah. from a vendor in the park. <laughs> so, um, uh, you know, she's about to pay or whatever. And, uh, the guy says, Oh, on the house, I'm a big fan. And, you know, at this point she gets a couple other people coming up and they want to take pictures with her. And Zara is like, Oh, okay. You know, like she sees a little bit more of what Jasmine's been trying to tell her, but she still has not heard her music. She did not see her on the episode. She's been dismissive of this entire like journey that Jasmine's trying to take. And then yeah. she's kind of holding on to it white knuckled until the end. Like I, it's almost like a, a point that she's trying to prove, prove to um, Jasmine now. 
Yeah, I mean, based upon you get like from like they're they're both a little older. Like you could tell, like uh, Jasmine's either in her like like mid to late twenties. Like so, she's she's been doing things enough to where uh, Zara, who is at you know a surgeon, so she you know what thirties at least. You know, like you you you. There's this untold story of you can see that her sister was the dreamer and that she was the realist, and she's seen her sister crash and burn. Who knows how many times? So not that I'm not that I'm forgiving Zara's, um, you know, behavior, but this is probably not her first rodeo. So she's not wanting to believe this because every time her her sister like you know gets an idea in her head, like it fizzles. So it, even though there's still fans showing up, like like at one point, um, Jasmine's like. I don't know. Like my music's pretty good. And then like Zara's like, yeah, but not that good. <laughs> like there's a, a quick dismissal of Zara, not really giving her sister credit for her success. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of getting to, it's getting to Jasmine at this point. Um, so we see Jasmine, she's getting ready for her next episode, which is going to be, I believe this is the finals that she's preparing for. And, um, so she has this really kind of fancy dress on. It looks like she's going to a like a gala, not really a competition show. Yeah, because because um, her outfit before this is like a leather jacket, like jeans, like like someone outside playing in a park square. You know, that's her style. And this whole outfit's completely not what we've known her to be. Right. So it, it's kind of getting to her too. The 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 possibility of uh, stardom. And Zara's behind her as she's getting ready. And she's like, you know, what are you wearing this dress for? That's not you. That's not Jasmine. She's like, well, what do you mean? I am me. I'm making myself who I am. And that's what's going to carry me along. My talent is, you know, what's more important. And, you know, of course, Zara is still like, I guess, pissy with her. And Jasmine just tells her, it's like, you know what? I'm tired of this. Don't come tonight. Don't, don't, don't even worry about it. I don't need your negative energy there. Don't worry about it. Yeah. I, I like the whole thing where like, like Zara is like, you know, why are you dressed like this? That's not you. And then there's an important part where Jasmine's like, I am me. I think that comes back later. And then at one point she's like, you're just a doctor. And Zara's like, just a doctor. <laughs> like, like, I, I, I've never encountered somebody that's actually like, you know, like an actual practicing doctor. But like, you, you know, shut up. You're just a doctor. I've never, I've never used that as a, uh, a put down. Like, cause I'm not a doctor, you know? <laughs> but I like that. It's still that thing between like the sisters with like, yeah. So, so what you're a doctor. Um, I'm, I sing from my soul. And then Zara's like, that's physically impossible. I like that little back and forth. I thought that was funny. Yeah. I'm just waiting for her to be like, uh, go sniff butts or, you know, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're a doctor of butts. Like, have... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's, it, you know, it's upsetting for Jasmine and I can see why she, she just doesn't even know what to say to her at this point. But, you know, she's trying to tell her like she, that she's at the press preposit- well, at the possibility of being a, su- a superstar right now. Yeah. And she still doesn't want to give her any sort of uh, encouragement. So she tells her not to come. And then uh, Jasmine uh, gets onto the episode and she is tanking it. Like, it's terrible. She's, yeah, she she's forgetting the chords. Completely derfs it. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, she she uh, she doesn't know the chords well. She's 
stumbling through the lyrics and that. But it doesn't matter because everybody loses again in the crowd and she's befuddled by this. Like she just like everybody's losing it, but she knows that she just she just like she just took a crap on <laughs> TV and it's like the the meter breaks in the background, which I thought was funny. <laughs> yeah, it just detonates. Like it just explodes because people just even though she's messing up and actually stops and says, I'm sorry, the clapping gets louder and louder and louder and just detonates the ovation meter. Yeah, so uh, obviously she wins. So, you know, like this is uh, her right now walking into stardom. Um, Did you find it a little weird, though, that JJ comes out and he's like, this is ovation and here's our first contestant and she wins and that's been ovation. I'm like, what show runs three minutes? Like that feels weird to me. But I just, I get it. That's the point. Like, let's Twilight Zone move on. Uh, I thought that was funny that ovation ended immediately and suddenly. Um, I also want to point out, too, that there was two um, um, two sponsors that was going on that he mentioned. One of them was, um, oh, where's it at? Um, it was something about uh, ice cream. Like, what was it? Uh, ice cream to die for. And it was Mr. Dingo ice cream. And then I think he also called ovation the big O, which I thought was funny. Um, but the Mr. Dingo ice cream had showed up and meet in the middle and it showed up uh, a couple times last year, uh, as an ice cream truck. Uh, that's a callback to Mr. Dingle, the strong from, um, the Burgess Meredith episode from season three of the twilight zone. I can't recall. Um, but yeah, I thought that was funny where it's like to die for, I'm like, that's not a good, good hashtag for ice cream. No, no, it's not <laughs> to die from. Um, yeah. So so yeah, so we uh, we get Jasmine, and she she wakes up the next day after her her win, um, to her phone just going nuts with people, you know, clapping at her uh, over what is I guess their social media, and just nonstop it's ping 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 ping. Um, emojis like oh, clap emojis. Which Terry, whenever you ask me we're, we're ready to go on Skype, how did I respond to you today? With clap emojis. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I thought that was kind of funny. That was like, because uh, earlier in the episode, whenever um, uh, it was something when she first made it, like her sister, I heard the news and sent her a text message that was full of uh, like clap emojis. And now her phone's getting blown up by everybody with clap emojis. Yeah, so it's just, it's going nonstop. And then she hears something outside, what kind of sounds like clapping as well. So she goes up to her bedroom window and looks out. And there's a crowd of probably like 40 people uh, like across the street with signs and just losing it as soon as they see her come to the window. And she's like, oh, well, OK. And just kind of waves like, thanks. Like, mm-hmm. So now you can see that it it's it's really setting in like, damn, like I have come like full circle to where my sister didn't think I was going to be. And here I am. I've made it. I I told her what I was going to do, and I'm big now. Like, and you can almost see this chip on her shoulder when she goes to talk to uh, Zara. But Zara, you know, she just, you know, she makes her a peace offering breakfast or whatever, and she's like, "Oh, sorry, I didn't see the show." But you know, she says that the people outside have been there all night, so that's kind of weird too. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, they, 
they, we see her again. Oh, actually, I'm sorry. Well, she, she talks about so, how. Yeah, Jasmine actually admits to her sister, like, listen, I don't know what's going on because I was terrible. Like, I, I was like this close to taking a literal shit on stage. She didn't say that, but you get that vibe. And she's like, I did bad. I don't understand why this is going on. And she's like trying to tell her sisters are like, I think there's something going on with this coin because Fiji gave it to me and then walked into a bus. And now I've had nothing but success since then. And people have been listening to me. They see me, they hear me. Um, I think she's misreading what the coin's doing, but that's how she's perceiving it. But she also feels like there's strings attached now. And she mentions the crowds and Zara is like, yeah, it is. What you're saying is weird because you just won the best singing competition. So of course you have fans. But this is the first time that Jasmine like says aloud the thing she's concerned about. And also there's a real quick moment where Zara goes to reach for the coin and Jasmine pulls it back like almost subconsciously, like a like Gollum, like precious moment of like, I think this 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 coin's messed up. I'm not letting you touch it. It's very telling. Yeah, that's a good call on the Gollum thing. Uh, it, it's like, um, you know, it, it you can see that it's somewhat of a, a catch-22 for her. It's bringing her the stardom from what she's saying, but she's I you can tell that there's fear in if she gives it up, too. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so she they go ahead and they go to um, the park again. And now the craze, the craze is like even bigger. Like there's people chasing her down, chasing her and Zara down to get pictures with her, to, you know, like high five her and just nuts. And um, so they end up hiding uh, behind that same hot dog cart until the crowd like runs away. Yeah, that sequence, though, with the crowd, like, and then there's even a bit earlier where they, they rush her, at, like, around a bus station because you see the signs on the side of the bus saying her new, her like, her new album's dropping or whatever, right? I think that's the order of this. I can't recall exactly. But then when they rush her while they're jogging, it feels like we talk about, like, you know, zombie, like, chasing people. Like, you get that kind of, like, 28 days later freak out of, like, they're just living their lives and this crowd comes out of nowhere and rushes her. That is suffocating. Yeah, it's it's actually uh, you are right. The she was uh, by the bus stop area, and she saw that uh, advertisement on the side, and it, of course gets bombarded again. Um, but yeah, like this brings to mind, like you know what the Beatles had to go through and that, and the uh, the craze, and well, they couldn't do anything. Like everywhere they were going, they were getting you know bombarded by fans. So she's definitely getting a piece of that action now. And it, you, it, she's not ready for it. It's overwhelming to her. Yeah, I just uh, want to let you see know. her. <laughs> want to let you know that hot dogs will save you. That's what we need to know from that sequence. Is no matter what's going on, hot dogs will save you. That's the real lesson of this episode. Yeah, and uh, as they're hiding behind the the hot dog uh, stand, uh, Zara says to her, "Like you probably should throw this coin away." And Jasmine's like, "And and then what?" Like what will happen to me? You know, I'm just going to become like that loser in the park again, essentially. Like she's, she's too afraid to go back. She doesn't want to go back. Yeah. So she, you, again, like you get that notion of like, I, you, you know, early on that she knows what's up, but it's like, this is her ticket up. And so it's becoming a question of, is the, is the juice worth the squeeze? And you, you find out very quickly that she finds out that it, like she believes it's not to a point. Yeah. 
So she she tries to do the um, the whole circuit thing where she goes on shows and that. So she goes on to Jimmy Momali's show, um, and uh, she you know she's supposed to do the interview, and you you played the the clip of audio, but before the the um, that part happens, everybody's just like going crazy in the crowd, and uh, Jimmy's able to calm them down, calm them down. Oh, okay, you know this is a talk show. Let's get her to talk. And as she's talking about where her inspiration for the the song came from, that's when everybody loses it. And she she gets upset because of that. And, she, you know, she tries to say, hey, can we get this, like, calm down again? Jimmy gets up and he starts clapping, too. And yeah. It like you could tell she is pissed off at this point. So she just stands up, takes off her mic and everything and walks off stage. And the next scene, she's walking out of the studio and she's being escorted into a, like a, a really nice uh, SUV and she's going to book it out of there. Yeah. So the, the drive. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Please. No, this is this is leading to like the like the best two parts of this episode for me. So please like these these I was not expecting this to get so not cartoonish, but like outrageous. And I'm, I'm happier for it. Yeah. So, um, so as she's in the car, um, they just, they just take off and all of a sudden her song comes on on the radio and the driver's like, Oh, listen, you know, there's your song. And, uh, she's like, yeah, go ahead and turn it off. And instead of turning it off, he turns it up like full blast (laughs) and he's, he's gunning it down the road and just takes his hands off the wheel and starts clapping the whole time. And he's like, he looks like he is having like the best time ever, but they are literally about to hit every single car that's on the road. Yeah. <laughs> he looks like he's been taken over by like the Joker's like laughing toxin, you know, like the whole, like he can't control himself. He's smiling and clapping as he is just driving willy nilly down the road. And it's, it's actually really terrifying. Yeah, she's she's losing it trying to get to uh, the radio to turn it off. And dude, he must be going like 45 miles an hour, 50 miles an hour. And they're just zooming past all of these cars. In it. But he's so tickled pink. It's kind of funny to look at his expression, but then like see all the terror that's going on around him. It's like, <laughs> whoa. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So she finally is able to turn off the radio and the car pulls over to the side. And he, I, I guess, just kind of regains consciousness and like realizes what just happened. So he's apologizing to her. She books it out of there. She jumps out of the car and just runs away. Yeah, he apologizes. She books it. Um, so she goes to the hospital where her sister Zara is working. Currently, uh, she has an open heart patient. Um, and I, I got to say that when I was watching this episode with my wife for the first time, I, I told her like the the bit, whatever Jasmine wakes up with the phone firing off after that happened, I paused. I was like, I wish I would have told you I was thinking it would have been clap emojis, but now I sound like a piece of shit that I was just making stuff up. I paused. I paused this. I was like, if what I think is going to happen next, this is amazing. And I told her what I believe was going to start happening. And then the scene plays out like, please, I just want to, I mean, not that anybody cares if I was right or not, but this was the joy in my mind of please let the thing happen that I'm hoping is about to happen. Right. So I, 
again, Lau, like, she goes to the emergency room. She's on the outs- the outside part of it, which there seems to be a uh, 360 view of the operating room. And in the operating room, almost as soon as she comes to the window, her song comes on. And all, everybody who is operating on this dude, and again, his chest is wide open, uh, turn around, see her, and just start clapping. They, they just stop everything they're doing and are clapping at her. So she is able to see Zara on the other side, past the on the other side. So she goes all the way around this um, this circle, I guess, and it gets to Zara, and she's like, "We need to turn the music off. We need to turn the music off." Which, uh, interesting note, uh, Zara cannot hear the music still. Yeah, but and everybody kind of follows follows uh, Jasmine around to the other side and are clapping at her, and then all of a sudden. The guy who's on the operating table lifts up his arms and starts clapping too. <laughs> who is under, you know, under anesthesia, has his open heart being worked on, yeah. eyes closed, and just uncontrollably clapping. And it is one of the greatest things I've ever seen in any episode of The Twilight Zone. It is hilarious. And like the only thing that it brings to mind really is that the the mind can do crazy shit. Like it can, and like if praying mantises when they go at it, the the female will rip off the head of the male praying mantis, and it will still be going at it because the the urge to do this this thing <laughs> is still there, and it, that's what it just kind of remind me of. Like this dude is for the most part like running on machines, and like still this urge happens to lift his arms and, and clap. It's just like it's. It's somewhat cartoonish, but it's still like it it gives you an idea of how uh, how powerful the coin is. Yeah. And it shows Zara also the thing that Jasmine had suspicions about. Like, you know, you have the people chasing after her in the park wanting to know who she is. People outside, which we didn't even get into how like the crowds keep getting bigger. And Jasmine walks outside. And it's like go home. And everyone's like, we love you. And they just keep clapping louder and louder. Like this whole thing is just wearing on her now. And like her, her fame, like at least for the moment is not worth this constant, like apprehension that no matter what people are doing, they're going to give her uninterrupted applause, almost dead bodies included. And it's, um, honestly, like, I kind of wish the episode would have stopped there. Like I felt like that would have been like the, the perfect, like you're doomed ending. Uh, that's not where we stop. It's still interesting where we go, but it's like, once you escalate to this point, how do you, where do you go from here? And, but we still got like another 15 minutes in the episode. Yeah. You know, I, I kind of agree with you. If we would have left it at that note, it it would have been a very powerful ending and it, but it it kind of would have been reminiscent of more like a, uh, I don't know. Tales from uh, the Crypt. Tales from the Crypt. Yeah, exactly. So, but um, yeah, so you know, you can see how powerful this whole movement is, and it is almost like a zombie uh, kind of like uh, I- idea that's going on here. That the 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 need for the you know to give her appreciation to to be applauding for her is it overtakes everybody. There's no reasoning with them. Yeah. So. So. Yeah. So next we, uh, we see that Jasmine, I, 
has pretty much had it. So she goes to the old cabin that um, they had when they were growing up. Yeah, she. Well, her and, and Zara, like, they're talking. I don't know if they go to the cabin first or not, but they're talking yeah, over. Yeah. Um, I think is, is, is it near the cabin? It's a place near water. We know that much. Uh, and and Zara's like, well, if you believe this is what's going on, you need to get rid of this. And then uh, Jasmine's like, I can't do it, you know. And she hands the coin over to Zara, and um, we believe we see Zara toss it in the water. And that's when we get uh, Jasmine going to this cabin that her mother or her parents have owned previously, which was talked about earlier in the episode, whatever. Um, and then she kind of hides out for a bit. And um, I just got to say, I feel like this is where the episode, like, I understand, I understand everything going on. I understand the character arc and everything. It hits the brakes in a really hard way for me. Um, that is very, it, it, it just stops the momentum of everything that built up to this point. Yeah, that, I, I was feeling the exact same way. That I mean, it really does drive home that they're like the emotions that are going to go on next uh, makes sense, and it, it does build up the rest of the 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 pretty much the uh, the crescendo of this episode. But yeah, you know, it's kind of a slow little deal that um, she's going insane. Uh, she's at this cabin, and she's just kind of driving herself a little bit mad. She's she's amongst no fans or anything like that there's no music there's no tv um she's eating ramen noodles that are not fully cooked um (laughs) it's it's kind of it's kind of depressing because it's you know she it's a the other side of the coin and uh you could tell that any kind of like something to look forward to is is fun for her so the mail comes she's oh great you know she runs out to the mailbox and she sees a magazine that's uh, one of those tabloid magazines that talk about, you know, entertainment now. And, and front page on there is what happened to Jasmine. Um, so she, of course, you know, reads it and everything. And, you know, it, it's it, it's something to her. You know, it, it still feeds that ego that she has, even now that she doesn't have that stardom. Like, well, people are wondering about me. So um, she tries to reinvent herself i assume at this point she tries to start writing music again and she doesn't know what to do so she's just wailing away at the guitar um and then like we we see her um get out a giant knife (laughs) (laughs) yes i I was going to put my notes here i'm like hey uh terry do you have a large noodle knife that was my going to be a question to you like this thing like uh crocodile dundee i've been like whoa 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 that's a that's a bit large for a knife you know this thing's huge and she uses it to stab the top of a ramen container like when i was watching with my wife because she loves ramen i'm just going to be like is that what you do like is there a large knife i don't know about (laughs) <laughs> I got to practice my stabbing. Um, <laughs> you never know when you're going to come across dehydrated noodles out in the wild, you know? <laughs> right. In a, in a, in a Tupperware container, just mind you Tupperware container, she stabs it and it just kind of opens when she pulls the knife back out. I, I don't understand why she pulled the knife out like that, but it's okay, to set up the rest of the episode. That's why that's why that knife exists. We know this now. It's Chekhov's knife. Yeah, we need a big ass knife. So uh so she's eating again her ramen noodles and she hears the mailbox go again. She's like, Oh great. You know, she runs now she's like actually running out to the mailbox and she pulls out the newest uh tabloid magazine. And um 
what was this one called? Uh, cell, cell, uh, cell radio or something like it was, it was a music magazine. Like, and so she was seeing if she was still in the conversation. Celeb radar. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and on the cover of this one, we just see the eyes of a new hot artist, uh, Minx. And, uh, you know, she is, she reads these articles, she's looking at it and you can tell that this like throws her into a panic attack. Like she's not the hot, the hot shit anymore. Somebody's replaced her. Like she, she was just the flavor of the week. Yeah. And, uh, she, you know, she is crying. She's eating bologna or whatever the hell she's eating and crying. Um, As and we she do. just, that's all, that's all we do is eat bologna and cry anymore. That's all we do now. We get it. Yeah, that's sad. But um, <laughs> so the next scene we see Jasmine is at the dock uh, of the cabin, and she's just looking out, and she's got her guitar. She's trying to play, but there's like cutscenes where she doesn't have the guitar, and it keeps on going back and forth and back and forth, and we're getting close-ups of ducks, and all of a sudden she screams her head off at the ducks. <laughs> well, because the ducks, it just well, one, it looks like she's attempting to be peaceful and find like that life away from everything, and then like the ducks in her mind get louder and louder and louder, and then like as much as um, we get the notion that the Minx article shows her that she's no longer in the spotlight, which does drive her crazy. I think there's this weird moment of her trying to find validation in her absence. So the first article saying what happened to Jasmine, that means that she's still a known commodity, right? Um, so she's, I think she's trying to prove that to herself that the coin meant nothing. And then suddenly the next magazine comes out and, um, she's not in it at all and no one cares about her anymore. Um, and then we get the whole thing too. After she screams, there's a brief flashback of everybody clapping and like during her ovation show and she's smiling in her sleep and she wakes up and it's the sound of rain hitting her uh, her windows and there's like thunder so it sounds kind of like applause so you know that as much as she you get this notion that she didn't like what was happening but she misses it and it's it's a weird combination yeah so this was kind of the breaking point for her uh you know the next morning she gets her she gets her bag together and i call i call it noodle madness that's what i call this she has a case on noodle madness Noodle madness, uh, <laughs> and stab madness. Stab madness. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. So she goes back home to you know home area, or whatever, and she's in the same um, like square p- park area that she used to play um, her acoustic guitar, and she's trying to strum away and you know just kind of do her thing like she used to, and she gets made fun of by these two jackass uh, teenagers that are walking by. And then all of a sudden she sees uh, JJ uh, and uh, he, of course, does not recognize her. And she's like, remember, you know, beat the show, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, he's like acting like she has a, a leprosy or something like that. And he just like shakes her off and like, no, 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 no. And runs away. Well, to be fair, she also looks like a crazy woman. Like, I mean, I, I don't, maybe that's, not, maybe that's not the right terminology, but she looks disheveled and like damn near homeless. <laughs> and so when she's like, JJ, remember, he's like, I don't have money. <laughs> like, um, Tom Lennon is so good at playing the panicked person. Like 
that that I get that that moment's supposed to be like this big shunning, but I couldn't help but laugh because I love I love Tom Lennon overreacting to something that's not as big as he is portraying it to be. Yeah, and to to also back up what his reaction is, I think she's wearing pajamas <laughs> underneath. <laughs> yes, coat. I think you're right. So, um, so yeah, he runs away, and um, you know, like the this really this kind of wraps it up for her. Like something needs a change. Uh, she sees another uh, advertisement for Minx, and there's going to be some kind of uh you know, like gala or something like that where Minx is going to appear. So we see, um, this, we, the next scene is we see inside of this, uh, you know, hotel or whatever it is that they are at huge crowd of people. And they're all super excited to see Minx. Well, all of a sudden here we see, uh, Jasmine looking crazy coming in from the shadows, moving in between people, trying to get closer and, you know, we see uh, back up at the steps that Minx is slowly coming down. She's waving to people. She's signing some autographs. And back at Jasmine, we see that she pulls out that giant buoy knife. And you can tell she wants to make a statement here. So she gets through the crowd of people as as um, uh, Minx turns around and is going back towards the steps. Uh, Jasmine breaks through the crowd, gets to her and stabs her right in the back. Yeah. And then that's when we get like, um, which I mean, okay. So did, did, did let's, let's get out to brass tacks before we get to the real reveal who Minx is. Did, did you have suspicions of who you believed this was? I knew I knew wholeheartedly who it was at this point. Okay. So I mean, up, even before this scene, yes, I was like, this is what I think is going to happen. And it kind of happened. So, yeah. <laughs> so then we find out that Minx is actually her sister Zara who kept the coin. Um, and then, so Jasmine sees that she stabbed her sister. Uh, and like the whole thing, I like the whole thing of like, get a doctor. It's like, she was a doctor, you know, <laughs> you know, like, uh, but then suddenly she's like, no, let me near, let me near my sister. And it's like, you just stabbed her to death. Like, so whatever. Um, but then as Zara opens her hand and shows that she has the coin, um, the ovation gets louder and louder. Um, I wasn't sure if it was the same type of, um, like vulture celebratory thing that was like a compulsion that happened with Fiji when she died at the beginning of the episode. Um, or, because Zara had died that now like the focus is back on um, Jasmine. Like you, like it's not quite clear of where the ovations being directed at. And I mean, credit to the episode that they're not making it clear, but it is horrific no matter what. Yeah. And there's no aid coming to Zara uh, and the two, the two security guards that are holding uh, Jasmine don't seem to really want to do anything other than just hold her there. Just like kind of letting her be witness to what's happening at this point, which is watching her, her sister bleed to death. Yeah. So then we get an ending that I honestly did not see coming. And this is, uh, might be controversial for the series, but I kind of dig it. It's a little different. Uh, we get, we get somebody picking up the coin from Zara's hand. It turns out to be the narrator himself. Uh, Mr. Jordan Peele in his uh, really nice suit, and he puts it in his uh, 
his coat pocket, his suit jacket, po- suit jacket pocket, and then Kyle looks at the camera, no narration, and starts clapping, and that's the end of the episode. I kind of love that ending. Yeah, it's getting a little bit different uh, for every episode. It seems uh, his his end monologue not being there this time, him clapping too. There was a little bit of a smile the last episode. Like he's playing, he's playing with us now. Like I think he's getting more and more comfortable in in, in each one of these episodes. I'm kind of I'm kind of excited to see every ending now, just to see what he does. Yeah. So with that ending, though, it almost makes me feel like we just saw an episode of Friday the 13th, the series, as opposed to the Twilight Zone, um, which I don't know how much of that you've seen or do you know the premise of the TV series? Unfortunately, I do not. And that's something I've been wanting to visit. So there was a weird rights thing where it, like the, the show could be called Friday the 13th, the series. It had nothing to do with uh, Jason Voorhees, but it dealt with a curio shop that all the items are cursed. And so it was like the main characters each week would go out to find people that bought these items and they would try to get them back into the shop and put them in a vault um, because they were cursed. So this feels a lot like that. And the show was a lot of fun and really stupid, but it's like, oh, the narrator picked up the MacGuffin and now he has it. But like, where's it going to show up next? I I don't know. I dug it. Like I was, I didn't see that coming. Um, So that was surprising to me. And I don't have a problem with them taking this and making it their own because I feel like so far so good. A lot of it's been handled right in the what in tone and in presentation. So I have no problem if you start coloring outside the lines because who who is who who is it for me to say what the Twilight Zone can be? I'm just a viewer. I'm I and I love it. Expand my mind because Serling didn't you know he he had a, he had a vision. And it changed over time. Why can't it change now? Like, it doesn't have to stay in the same lane the entire time. Like, I'm okay with this. I thought it was fun. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed, um, you know, his little cap to the episode. I think it was uh, it was a good episode. Um, I just like that, you know, he's he's playing with us a little bit more. And that, that gives, gives me hope that he's going to make it his own a little bit yeah. here and there as well. Like, we can have... We can have something that's 50 plus years old, but you know, we can have a little bit of a difference too. <laughs> well, even, even like, it's funny you say that because there's, um, the season one episode of the original series, I think it's called a world of difference. Is that the one? No. Um, anyway, the last episode of season one, where we have the guy who has the, um, the ability to like, like type or speak characters into reality. Cause he's a writer, but at the very, very end of that episode, we have Rod Serling on camera giving the ending narration and the main character's like, no, 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 Rod, that's not right. And he goes to grab um, the dictaphone tape that Rod is on and he throws it into the fireplace and then Rod disappears. That doesn't feel dissimilar to this, where it's a wink at the camera and we have the narrator being a part of the story. It's not that far off from this. And it's still, it's, it's the same sense of like winking at the camera, winking at the audience and having some fun with it. Yeah, it was it was cool. It was I I liked the ending for that. Um, but you know, I, it I guess we can get to the ratings and all that stuff. Yeah. But yeah, I, it was a fun episode. No, it was a fun episode. I mean, it's not. I mean, you know, not not groundbreaking, but whatever. So yeah, let's just get to the twist and we'll wrap up our final thoughts and then we'll get on to to the other things. So let's just rate the twist. 
that her sister would take the coin and cha- and do the thing that she always kind of shit on her her own Jasmine for. I give the three. It's down the it's down the middle for me. It doesn't surprise me, but it also the episode didn't necessarily need to go there. But once it kind of started playing that direction, it was easy to see. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you on that one. Uh, right down the middle, I, you know, if you were to say in the beginning of the episode, how do you feel like this is going to, you know, resolve? You, there's no way of telling that, but. You know, once we got to kind of the midway point, you're like, I can see what's going to happen now. Yeah. I mean, again, that does that's not any type of indictment towards the episode. It's just it does kind of it does kind of take this like the wind out of the sails a little bit. I feel like her going to the cabin and then I just feel like the episode just hits the brakes so hard that, again, it's not that I didn't enjoy this thing all throughout because I did. And I've not been, I've not been disappointed with an episode so far. We've only covered four out of 10, but to, I I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm like, I'm not mad at it. Um, like, you know, are there things I wish would have been different in the last, like the last third? Yeah. But I'm not upset with where it went. So it's still kind of landed in the middle of the road, but there's, again, I can't dismiss, the, the guy driving the SUV clapping and smiling and just being a maniac while the song's playing that I didn't see coming. And then the, you know, the subdued body on the operating table again is pure joy when they show that sequence, like, like just leading up to it and just kind of smiling and then looking over at my wife being like that body's going to start clapping. And then to see it happen, just it scratched all the, the pleasure centers in my brain that someone thought of that too. Yeah, as silly as it was, it was still fun, uh, that, that scene. But, you know, I, I, I like this episode. I don't know if it was the strongest so far, but it's that doesn't it, that doesn't mean that it was a bad episode. Not I still dug it. It, it de- definitely hits home for the whole like um, theme of like, be careful what you wish for. Well, and it also still reverberates for the first three about a sense of identity and who people are, because like, at the very first part of the episode, she's like, her sister's like, this isn't you. And then she's like, I am, I am me. And then later on she reiterates by saying, I am me. Like, I, this is who I am. We're still running into these like different shades of like identity that's going on through the four. I'm not, I'm, again, if you give me these all and I've enjoyed all of them. And this is the, if this is the sandbox you want to play in great. I'm not against that. Rod Sterling would take an idea and slam it against a wall and come up with like five different variants. This isn't unusual. It does seem odd to me that we're getting a lot of the same reoccurring themes. And and maybe this one isn't as much as the other ones, but it's still there. It's still like this. This even kind of like harkens back to the previous episode of The Who Are You, where um, the actor wants to be taken more seriously and be treated like, you know, better than what he is. Um, Had we had uh, Mr. Pine have this coin, I don't think he would have ever given up people just applauding him for the bare minimum. You know, like I think Harry Pine would have just rolled with this and been like, you know what? I'm going to sit here on this, this fainting couch and women are going to put graves in my mouth, you know, like, so I don't think, I don't think that we're that far away from that. I, I, um, I I like the exploration. I don't think it was intentional, but watching these back to back to back, it's hard not to see that. Yeah. Yeah. It was still cool. I, I, I dug it. Um, I, I felt like the episode could have been a little bit more lean. Yes. But, uh, but yeah, you know, that's, you know, that's whatever. I mean, it was, it didn't, 
it didn't drag down the episode for for the for the worst you know like i didn't i can't walk away from this and be like well the runtime made this whole episode suck no, like that's not that's not what i'm saying either yeah as much as i talk about the cabin stuff kind of bringing the episode to a halt it is not nearly the momentum killer that um like and again this is unfair to compare the two but to like season four of the original series how we had stuff where it was like this might pump the brakes some of those episodes just hit the wall so hard that we're like kim are we oh we have 40 more minutes I didn't get that vibe from this. It's just that it gave me so much fun coming up to that point that I wish it would have taken that crazy momentum across the finish line. But again, that's my, my hope for the episode that was not their intent. And I need to adjust my, um, my expectations and appreciation accordingly. Yeah. And, you know, and one of the things that I really appreciate about this season is uh, there's kind of this floating runtime. Uh, we're not we're not at like the 51 minutes that we had from the fourth season of the original series. Like it's not set in stone. We can have an episode that's 40 minutes or we can have an episode that ends up being, you know, 45 minutes. So yeah. I think I think this was this was a good episode. Um, and, you know, there's not a whole lot I can critique about. It, it was still fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my my other recommendation um, before we wrap up here is that there is a Black Mirror episode. It's the second one of series one called, was it 15 million credits that deals a lot with um, the cost of fame um, and a lot because we didn't even talk about that portion of this, so the, how much you give up of yourself. Um, which we, you know, with Fiji, clearly you saw that and, and with, with Jasmine a little bit, there's a black mirror episode that, that deals with this more in like a literal sense that I think people should watch is the second episode of the first series. So get past, get past the first episode, the national anthem, which involves, um, pig stuff. That's what I'll say about that. The second episode, uh, it actually has the main actor from get out playing the lead in that by the way it's a, it's a good episode you should guys check that out if you want to get more into like the literal um monetary transactional side of social media and and um like likes there's also a singing competition involved it's very odd how these two run parallel and then also here before we get to uh wrapping up the show i meant to spoil uh, tenacious d the pick of destiny for you so i'm going to do this for you right now terry so i'm spoiling it for you paul f tompkins is in that movie um, he, that movie also deals with an item, the pick of destiny in which it gives people playing the guitar, like the um, ability to play like ungodly riffs and become super famous. Um, and that's the MacGuffin in that movie. Having Paul F. Tompkins in this too, seems very particular to me that he's now in two productions in which there's the magic MacGuffin that gives people instant success. So watch the pick of destiny. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I'll try to get past the Jack Black part of it. Oh, but yeah. <laughs> so you 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 do not like Jack Black? I do not like Jack Black. Well, then that's going to be a problem <laughs> watching that movie. What if I promise you that he might eat mushrooms and go on a, like a, a mushroom trip where he meets the Sasquatch? Will that make you maybe want to watch the movie? Uh, what if I tell I'll you that the Sasquatch is an uncredited John C. Riley? What if I tell you that? You're not doing me any service now. <laughs> Here's me clapping you away on that one. Great, great. Okay. So, all right, never mind. Anyway, so that's going to do it for this episode. You guys can find us on Facebook at Strange Highways Podcast. I'll tr I'll try to do better about posting images from the episodes. I'm just so heartbroken that I can't screen cap what I want. 
Like I want to, I want to take weird pictures of these episodes, but I'll try to do better. Cause I, I think having something during the week between episodes is good. Um, it's just, my heart's been broken that I don't have the control I once had. That's on me. If only I had some type of like MacGuffin that would let me do what I want to do. Uh, that's not happening. You guys can email us directly at strangehighwayspodcast@gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts about the current season. Um, the first season of the Jordan Peele produced stuff and Twilight Zone in general. And if there's other stuff you want us to cover before we get to season five, of the original series, let us know. That'd be great. Um, you can find us wherever you uh, find your podcast, whether it be Apple podcasts, uh, Google music, which I think is now becoming YouTube music. I don't know technology, but you guys find your podcast, whether, you know, on your phone, whatever app you use to get it, please rate and review us. That would be greatly appreciated. The more the merrier. We love having more people involved in the conversation as much as I, I, I enjoy looking forward to each week to talk to Terry about these episodes. I know that he and I would both also love to have a greater conversation with everybody that's been watching this. So please get involved and engage with us. It'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, and I, I uh, to piggyback off of that, I think it would be uh, insightful to see what other people's reviews are on these episodes or any of the other stuff that we've covered in the past. Um, I, I think that we grow uh, from other people's opinions as well. So you know, it gives us another light to shine on something that maybe we didn't even dig. Like we did, we've liked everything we've watched from this season, but you know, even negative reviews. If you yeah, if you got no, something sure. that really you didn't feel hit home with you. I want to hear what that is as well. Yeah. And also reminder people, I still think it's up and active. If not, I'll keep, I'll keep uh kind of flicking its nose, the patreon.com slash strange highways. There's commentary from the first season, the Jordan Peele season as well up there. Uh, some episodes are more like than others. Um, if you're catching up, there's free content there. It's not part of the regular feed, go find it. And again, share your thoughts and feelings. Cause again, um, I think, I think the more discussion, especially about the twilight zone, um, the more appreciative that we can get. And also, I don't know, I think it's fun. Like, I think, I think there's, there's a lot of fun to be had, uh, in debating things right now because the real world kind of is terrible and sucks right now. Let's just push that all aside and talk about Twilight Zone. I think, I think I'd be okay with that for a minute. Yeah. And there, there's a reason a second season happened, uh, of the Twilight Zone, uh, Jordan Peele stuff. I have not seen the first season, but this season is stellar, so I cannot wait to visit the first season. And if you are listening to this and you know somebody who likes anthology-based storylines and that, please let them watch us. Like, recommend it. Get your free trial of CBS All Access. It is well worth the time and it is well worth you know, investing into something that hopefully we can get a, a third season out of and then maybe even future seasons otherwise. Yeah, you're right. Get the free trial and then smash both seasons because all 20 episodes are up, right? So just do that. What else are you going to do right now? Go outside? Probably not. So next episode that we're getting into, which is our halfway mark of the season, it's uh, episode five called Among the Untrodden. Uh, here's our descriptor for this. and It's vague as AF. I'll just say that. Um Vague as AF, that, that, that doesn't make sense. Vague AF. Uh, a transfer student at an all-girls boarding school learns a classmate possesses a unique talent. If that talent is walking in during emotional crescendos and climaxes, I will have plenty of things to say about it. <laughs> but that's our description for this episode. So we don't know much about it. I've not seen it. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I've enjoyed this conversation. Uh, yeah, Terry, as usual, I, I love 
talking about all things Twilight Zone with you. This is a fun one to talk about. Uh, round of applause for everybody involved. That's what I'll say about that. Yeah, it's been fun, man. Uh, can't wait for every episode otherwise. So uh, cheers to everybody else who's following us along. Yeah, and also just remember, keep uh, keep your ramen knife sharp. I don't have any money. <laughs> JJ, it's me. <laughs> JJ, I, it's me, Jasmine. Oh, please, 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 please don't do this. Please don't do that.